You're about to get insider access to cannabis industry experts, entrepreneurs, activists, and living legends. Meet the people who live and blaze this life every day and are about to change the world. Now your host, the founder of Blazin Bakery, New Jersey's first edibles company with over a decade of national advocacy, sales, connections, and adventures behind her. A true trailblazer in cannabis. This is Trailblazing with Tiramisu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trailblazing with Tiramisu, the podcast where we try to put the fun back into cannabis while sharing a little insider wisdom and chatting with some amazing guests. Today, we have an East Coast cannabis culture leader, uh, legalization advocate, and a very savvy businessman, happy monkey owner, Vladimir Batista. Vlad is a NYC native and one of the founders of New York City-inspired cannabis lifestyle brand, and famous NY Speakeasy Happy Monkey. It provides its members with entrance to New York Canvas lifestyle through events, podcasts, video content, written content, and social media. Vlad is recognized for his relationships with the international cannabis elite and for his expertise in media and events connecting people from musicians to politicians. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Vladimir Batista. Hey, Vlad. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. You're welcome. Oh my God, we're still in quarantine. I'm still doing Zoom podcasts. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But hey, we all have to find the silver lining during these crazy times and we still have to keep fighting the good fight. You know, we've come a long way. So so when is Happy Monkey going to be open again? I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> to be determined, you know, right now. I know. We got to stick to the media because uh, right now, you know, gatherings are not... Uh, a thing that's oh, looking wow. like anything good. It's not looking like feasible anywhere in the near future. I was just uh, actually looking at an article somewhere and uh, concerts and like Live Nation. They said that they don't expect to do any concerts till 2021. Wow, that's depressing. So there is no gatherings in the near future. Yeah, the CWCB, Canvas World Business, they're talking about doing it at the Javits Center in October. So, I mean, uh, that that's scary to me, though. The Javis Center, like that many people <laughs> all together, especially it's a freaking hospital right now. Let's um, see how that goes. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. Um, so I, I love Happy Monkey. I've been there many times. I'm absolutely fascinated by it because uh, we're talking about how, you know, we have so many people running cannabis who have no idea what's going on. And you, to me, are the epitome of what a cannabis businessman looks like. You're someone who understands the culture, you understand the audience and the consumer, and you're able to create all those things I named, you know, media experiences. (laughs) Sorry, it's a little loud. Um, But you're able to do that. So uh, what do you think has made you such a, you know, a good judge of cannabis culture and how to make the consumer happy? Well, I believe that comes from actually being, unlike other people in the industry, a real cannabis consumer all my mm-hmm. life, and also from going up around it all my life, and you know, and and being able to share cannabis with all different walks of life. You know, being born and raised in Harlem and Manhattan. You know what I mean? So I think that um, that helped me understand that the the culture of the way we do things here in the tri-state area 
needed a platform and it needed a voice. And I feel like there wasn't a good representation of anything that the way that we do things here in the Tri-State area in the East Coast, as far as like, you know, really like shown in the public or images or anything like that. So I felt like it was necessary to show the culture by somebody from the culture. And, and this is something that I've said in New Jersey a lot is why I felt so passionate about helping develop the laws there, helping try to show people what a cannabis business East Coast should look like is because I think it is really different than what we're seeing with like, say, a California cannabis lifestyle company or even your consumer. Uh, and, and same thing with Colorado. Uh, so in your opinion, what makes uh, the New York, the East Coast cannabis consumer so unique? Well, um, first of all, you know, we're a melting pot over here. So, you know, we, you know, and we're usually not too far from each other and we intermingle at different levels. And then, of course, you know, basically, we also don't do things like they do things in Colorado or California, Oregon, meaning like, you know, we don't smoke on the beach. We're not you know, on a surfboard, you know, it's a guy in a business suit, a woman in a business attire, somebody smoking in their basement, somebody taking a ride to smoke. Like we grew up consuming cannabis this way. And I think that that is a big part of the culture and the mentality over here where we also got on the whole wave of medicinal and recreational really late. So we were kind of like, we had to get, have creative ways to smoke. And I feel like that created like a, like a little subculture of people feeling like, you know, this unified them in a certain way because it was like really looked down upon over here. And you really had to like know somebody was from your tribe to share with them and things of that nature. I feel like that is a big part of it. That beach thing is such a good point. It's cold here. Like, you don't want to be outside for, like, nine months of the year. So, yeah, it's about finding spaces, which I think especially. So I am intrigued with how Happy Monkey came together. So I, I know you've it was this black market, gray market world. You kind of we're all banging our heads against walls trying to get this to be a legitimate industry and it's, you know, struggling more than we all want it to. But while people wait for licenses and people wait for permission, you just kind of like bull and shine shop came in and said, no, we're just doing this. So I, I how did this kind of come together? Well, um, like I said, you know I mean? You know, been in cannabis for over like 20 years as far as a consumer and being around it. And then uh, about three, three and a half years ago, my partner Ramon went to Amsterdam and he, he's like not a socialist me. He's a little bit of an introvert and he, he smoked with people from all over the world and had a touching experience. And he came back and he said, we have to find something similar like this where we could gather here. And I looked at him like he was crazy. And then one thing led to another was like, yo, let's try it. And then, uh, you know, that's how it came about. And then all the other things we started noticing, like, we started going to conferences like Canada Gather and Revel and all these different things. And we started realizing that there was no representation in media as far as like for New York City, for the tri-state area. And then that's when we started tapping into that because we felt like it was necessary. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's, it was it was insane to us that New York City is the biggest consuming city in the world, but has the least media presence. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, I think a lot of people have the idea. It's just the, um, you know, the, the wherewithal and the kind of know-how to make this exist without, you know, people getting thrown to the floor and things getting raided. And, you know, New York can be a very unwelcoming place for cannabis so that you've created a safe space for people to enjoy themselves is quite a feat. And, uh, and I mean, the marketing around it too, when you think of something, you know, when you're creating an underground movement, how do you walk that fine line of promotion? Like when you have a brand, you want to like shout it in everyone's face. Oh my God. And then also keeping that like secret speakeasy type of, you know, prohibitionist vibe. Um, I don't know. Tell me about that walking that line. Well, thankfully, we're not, we're not really doing that anymore. Now we've moved on and we're doing uh, bigger things like as far as like media and we are doing bigger events. Like we had uh, one of the after parties at MJ BizCon in Vegas. We just recently had an after party for um, NCIA in Boston. So, you know, that was a stepping stone, but now we've moved on to do other things and we feel like we have the brand awareness where we can continue the, you know, spreading the brand and spreading the culture without having to do that and, you know, be isolated and put in a little box like that. Aw. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it was a really nice little box, though. I, don't sell yourself short. Um, no, of course, of course. <laughs> but, you know, you have to evolve, you know? Absolutely. But I, I, you, so you had me on yesterday or the day before, and you asked me in one word what I, I thought the Happy Monkey brand. And for me, I said, I thought it's historical. Cause if I look back at like New York City culture, um, you know, you look places like Studio 54 was like the 70s. That was that time stamp. Yes. And then you think like punk rock scene, CBGB. And then there was like Limelight, Melody, Don Hill, like all through the years, there's been these like scenes that have been little time capsules. And I almost saw Happy Monkey, like the first stoner kind of like time capsule, like how I kind of what like Studio 54 was to like cocaine back then. Like Happy Monkey is like a, a New York City, like legendary type of, I don't know. Yeah, people have made that comparison before. They've called us the Studio 54 of cannabis. There you go. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So when I say, like, don't sell yourself short, I, I think, you know, even if you never reopened your doors again, I think you put that little flag in the ground. So that's pretty And cool. that was the whole goal because it was like, you know, you can kill people, you can kill places, but you can't kill ideas. And, like, yeah. you know, that helped the idea be born. And now the idea has a life of its own, you know, spread throughout the country and some parts of the world. And that was always the goal, you know? Yeah. So what's next in the, in the United States? You're doing something out in Vegas or? Well, like I said, I mean, you know, right now that with the current climate yeah. things, we don't exactly know, but we were before this happened, starting to do things like I said, like after party to conferences. And then we also, are, we had planned actually to do um, uh, the weekend of 420. We were going to do happy monkey presents and which was going to be like some of our friends that are some of the biggest artists in New York to perform. Yeah. So it's like, we're going to start step. We, we, when we do come back out, we're going to step on bigger stages. Good, good. We had this amazing entire month of 420 that was supposed to be like, yeah. It's crazy, right? And here, here we are. 2020. We're all talking to our laptop cameras for weeks straight. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so um, yeah, I mean, this is a, it's a crazy time. Where do you see cannabis being on the other side of COVID? Do you think 
So you're saying you're going to come back bigger and better, but do you think there's going to be less competitors when you come back? Well, I really believe that, um, that unfortunately, you know, this is going to put a lot of cannabis companies and brands through a strainer and a ringer and really like, you know, the cream of the crop is going to come out on the other side, but unfortunately everybody's not going to make it because it's tough circumstances right now to stay afloat, you know, under, under the current situation. But, um, I, you know, it's funny, I was talking to somebody about this and it's crazy how this time in history is going to be, it's going to be like BC and AD. It's going to be ah. like, do you remember pre Rona, post Rona? Yeah. It's going to be like, that's how it's going to be, right? It's going to be because the new normal is not going to be the same. So it's going to be like a time where it's going to split like, a, like two, two different time capsules between that. But what I believe is, like, like I was telling you a little bit last time, is that, you know, as far as like legislatively, I don't think anything's going to move anytime soon because obviously they have a lot of other things to worry about and I don't think it's going to be a top priority. Mm -hmm. But what I do believe is that it's going to normalize it more because I feel like so many people are using it right now to maintain their mental health during quarantine. Yeah. I believe that it's going to, it's going to like amongst society, it's going to be like, you know, become way more mainstream and more normalized. And I believe that people are going to start seeing the benefit in it more now than ever. I just read today over in the UK that CBD during Corona is hitting an all time high because people are just like so stressed out. They're just going for anything. And I, I don't know their legalization laws as well, but I understand they're conservative, you know, as we are. So people are just looking for whatever they can get right now. But, um, yeah, it's weird. I, uh, so one thing I I've always thought, and I've said this at happy monkey before I'll get your opinion on it is that I think, cause so we have cannabis lounges maybe coming on the, on the books in Jersey. It's, it's there if they ever implement it, it's all specked out. Um, but the one thing I said is you kind of need alcohol. I feel like, and just hear me out because if you go to a party and there's just weed, I feel like, or if you have alcohol, you, you start eight o'clock and then it builds, 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 maybe midnight hits a peak. Then people are really fucked up. You get your whole after hours thing. Some people do other stuff. You see the sunrise. Um, now I feel like if it's just weed, it's like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, everyone's like chill. And then it stays there for the rest of the evening. It's like a very just mellow, like, like if you were trying to get laid and you got a girl drunk, it makes her like looser. And, you know, if you got like a girl high and she starts thinking about her life choices, she's like, should I be doing this? You know, it's just such a more introspective thing. So do you feel that, um, people should look when we get these lounges of ways to integrating alcohol and cannabis and trying to have both? Or do you think that the, the lounge, the cannabis lounge on its own is just perfect and we want that different? Well, my personal opinion is that I don't think the two should be mixed. Yeah. I believe that there are, there's a big industry based on the alcohol part already. Mm -hmm. And people smoke a little here and there. I believe that the, 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 the magical part of the cannabis lounge is going to be that it's only cannabis. And I beg to differ because I saw from my experience that it opens people up in a different way than alcohol does. Yeah. And I feel like that it, it, it creates a different energy and a different vibe. 
And I feel like that's necessary to distinguish the two because I feel like if you mix them both together, you really won't be able to distinguish the vibes. And I feel like it's not always a good mix. I feel like that they should be definitely separate. Like I said, there's a big, huge, you know, nightlife industry based on alcohol. I believe that there's going to be a big, huge industry based on cannabis for its consumption lounge. And it's like the way there's nightlife, there's going to be bud life and bud life is going to be bigger. <laughs> I like that bud life. That's fun. Okay. Very yeah. cool. I, uh, I, I do agree. It's definitely a healthier atmosphere. You know, it's not like you, you know, when you go into a bar and people get too drunk and they start fights and there's arguments and, you know, people get taken advantage of or hurt. You know, now, you I have to tell you from experience, not to cut you off, Tyler, that I saw myself a lot of people, you know, start dating when they met each other through the, through sharing cannabis. Cause you gotta remember, it's a sharing community, it's a sharing thing. So I feel like, it brings people's guards down and it, people are more susceptible to open a conversation. It's less judgmental, less elitist, less like superficial. I feel like it brings people down to a frequency where they really see eye to eye. And that includes, you know, males and females and people that are attracted to each other. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, yeah, there was a, a couple times I had met you before and you, you had talked about interviewing me. I think it was like international P or someone was there and they were like, oh, we're doing this. And I was like, no, because <laughs> I just get so dumb. Like my mind goes a million miles an hour and it needs a filter because that is a dark, scary place up there. And you turn that filter off and I'm like, I cannot be recorded. No. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, for for in a lot of ways, it, it does turn off your inhibitions a bit. And a lot of times that does lead to deeper things. But for me, anytime cannabis is around, technically I'm at work, you know, that's my livelihood. Okay. It's my business. So I need to, you don't like to make business a pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Like cannabis to me is my living room, watching a movie, like no matter what I say, it could be dumb as shit and it doesn't matter because no one's like going to like judge me from that then and be like, Oh, we can't work with her. She's an idiot. I could, I, I could be pretty dumb, uh, you know, or, or a little too honest and opinionated. So can't be doing that either. But um, so how do you feel like America is going to fit into this globally? As far as? Uh, just cannabis in general, you know, as uh, entertainment, as production moves outside the U.S. Well, well, I believe just like everything else, I believe, you know, you know, we are the people that are like, you know, there's a saying that they say, you know, if America catches a cold, the rest of the world catches a flu. I feel like that, that, that's a know, little too appropriate right now, actually. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so basically, I feel like, um, you know, the world is looking at us to see how we're going to incorporate, incorporate, incorporate this into mainstream society. How is the culture and how you know, we go about it, I think it's going to influence the rest of the world. And I feel like it's going to be a big, like you said, whether it's entertainment, culture, you know, cannabis, it's all going to be like, we're like leading the way. And then people are going to, you know, piggyback off of that. I believe the rest of the world. Yeah. So, and you've had people from all over the world come to Happy Monkey, right? You've had celebrities go through there and all that. It's been uh, a great experience. What are, you have any, without giving names or anything, any like interesting tales or things that kind of blew your mind in your journey? Well, you know, it's just that, um, you know, I just feel like, uh, 
cannabis is the great equalizer. And I feel like, you know what I mean? After being around it and, you know, having so many gatherings, it's like it equalized everybody. It doesn't matter whether you were a billionaire or a Hollywood star or an artist. I just feel like when you take away all the other elitism and it's just cannabis, I feel like it just made everybody feel like they were the same, you know? I didn't feel like, I feel like everybody like, just felt like, you know, I smoke cannabis, you go smoke cannabis. And that is the, that is what we have in common. Like who I am outside of here or does it matter because, oh, you know, we both have this thing that we smoke and there are no hierarchies. There are not, there's none of that. So it's just like, it just was really cool to see like no matter what level or no matter how much fame somebody had, that they could just sit down to regular Joe Schmo, Jane, or whoever, and just you know have a conversation and smoke, and it, like none of that really uh, came was like a big deal, like it would be outside of a place where cannabis is. It's not only cannabis being served. And how do we take that spirit of unity and bring it into? what is becoming the new cannabis corporate culture, things like, you know, MedMen and just, you know, this kind of more dry corporate feel. How, how do we blend those two? Well, it's kind of tough, but I think people like me and you are helping, but I think that they had a lesson learned on their own. I feel like part of Happy Monkey's big thing, even on a podcast, our big thing is that we feel like we're the nexus between corporate cannabis and culture cannabis. And I feel like those are the biggest two divides in the industry. So I feel like the industry is never going to be fully optimal until they start working together because I believe that the culture needs the corporate because you need the funding and the business acumen. I believe the business, the corporate needs the culture because you need an audience and you need that culture flavor. So I believe that that's why right now all the big companies are just trying to buy in try to leave the culture aside. If you notice, most of their stocks are down 70, 80%. So I I feel like that's the only real way they would have learned. And I feel like that they're going to, when this is done, they're going to have a different approach on how they go about business and including the culture more because whatever they did the first time didn't really work. You know, I, I agree with that. And I'm, I'm kind of loving watching it. I I thought of an analogy today in like the shower of if you had, if you were opening like a local bar, and then you brought in someone from pharma to run it. And you were like, has this guy ever drank before? No. Has he ever been in a bar? No, but he's a really good doctor. He sells a lot of pills. He's familiar with substances. He's going to do great. And then you had a pharmacist open a bar. Like, that's what people are doing. They're being like, oh, this guy knows how to do drugs. He's from pharma. I'm sure he could make a cannabis company do well. And you're like, the guy doesn't know the first thing. He's never even consumed it or known people who, like, so I, I feel like that's kind of, we're drawing parallels that in any other industry would be laughable, but it's because there's so much distrust for the people who are in cannabis already that they think we'll hire anyone but them. <laughs> so it, it's, but obviously cool. that method did not work. Not too well. work. So Absolutely. We, we, we know that especially corporate people, they don't learn by people like me and you preaching to them. They usually learn by, you know, you know, financially. And I think that's why I have faith that, when this is all done and, you know, things normalize that they will have a different approach and try to include the 
the culture because like I said, you know what I mean? I feel like it's not that they both needed and I just feel like they have to realize that because like I said, you know, the culture needs them. They need the culture, but they, this is a very, very complex industry. It's never been done before. It's the rules are being written as time goes along. So to think that you're going to have a one-size-fits-all answer to the industry is crazy. Or do what you did in other industries. It's not that simple. Yeah. So I, I'm sure these are people you know, so I don't know if you want to weigh in on it, but I have my thoughts. What's your thoughts on someone like, you know, Weed World Candies? Are they just being harmful? Are you cool with it? What's, do you have any thoughts on the people operating? What? Oh, I don't. I don't exactly know how they operate, but I don't hear too many people be happy with their experience. Exactly, so. that's what I'm saying. They've been around over a decade. You know that. Uh, I used to sell uh, many festivals where they would have a truck a couple, you know, steps from my booth, and people would be telling me what they're selling, and I'd try to tell them otherwise, and they'd be like, "No, no, 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 no." I'm like, "All right, yeah, dude, go get ripped off." And you see. <laughs> And you see that for so long, and then you're like, I feel like this is harming what we're trying to do. But at the same time, I don't know. They're making money, so good for them. But it's I, I hate to see bad operators in our space because we have so much going on already against us. That. Well, unfortunately, you know, one thing I learned in life, Tara, you know, I'm a very philosophical person, and um, I read a lot of books and stuff. And I remember there's this philosopher. He said – um that, you know, somebody asked them, like, what do you tell somebody that says, like, there's so many bad things going on in the world, viruses, you know, war, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? All the evils of the world. And what do you do about it? And the, the philosopher said, well, I'm going to have to take you back to the Native American days. Their philosophy was that the world has always been a wasteland from its conception until now. It always will be. There will always be good, bad, ugly destruction. The only power we have, Tara, is for us to be whatever we wish the world was. We have no other power. It's the only thing we have control of. All right. I love that. So, and then I, I won't say your five-year plan of business sense because people don't understand in cannabis, like a five-day plan is about all you get. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. but in, in, a, in a fantasy world, like what you just said, like utopia, five years, what would you love to see cannabis be, happy monkey be? Well, uh, let's start with cannabis. I just would like to see cannabis normalized just like alcohol or any other thing is that you know, shouldn't be any stigma behind it. I would love to see when they actually go in a lab with a scientist and allow people, allow scientists to do this, how many amazing medicinal benefits this plant actually has so that the world can see. I would like to see what that is. And then I would also like to see, like, you know, like, you know, right, everybody from a grandma to anybody the same way somebody drinks a beer and looks at, and nobody even pays any mind for it to be that level of normalized in society and no and last but not least i would love to see everybody that unfortunately is incarcerated for cannabis free and never even think that anybody will ever have to be in that position over something that right now like they, they had this meme right they said how must the prisoners feel that are arrested for cannabis? They look on the news and they see 
cannabis deemed essential business is open and corporate people yeah. making all this money and they're incarcerated for the same thing, you know? Yeah, I, I, I talk about that all the time, you know, the expungement needs and all that. It's so true. I, I have two thoughts on what you said in the medical sense. So my mother was in the hospital last year and she was in the ER and she was and then hospitalized for a while and they were pumping her full of opiates and um she didn't she got like blocked up from it they almost had to do emergency exploratory surgery she 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 was critical because of the amount of opiates they were putting her on and it made me think you know what if you are they didn't have a way to code cannabis in the system if you're a registered medical marijuana patient the most they could put you down at is a substance user because it's not even coded and it's definitely not something they can offer. So I said, you know what, that day I was like, my work's not done until you could get cannabis, not just in this secondary kind of, we'll prescribe it and you go off to a little place. You need to be able to get in the emergency room. You need to be able to get it. If that's the medicine you take, you should be able to get your prescribed medicines anytime. So when we talk about medical, it's also, I think, not about keeping it in its own little corner but bringing it to be like any other medication. I think, I think that's something we need. And as far as normalizing it in society, I think for me, because I love edibles, um, is when you can come to your holiday party and maybe instead of giving your boss or your friend or your aunt a bottle of wine, you could give them a box of edibles. And I think that's when you're going to say, okay, it's normal. That sounds like an amazing world to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, Hmm. How about uh, products? Are there any product lines you really, you know, are in love with or things you want to make or as far as, uh, I don't know, edibles or smoke bowls or anything? Well, right now, you know, due to the situation, we don't really have, uh, have our eye on that, but we do have like uh, clothing coming out soon and, mm -hmm. you know, different merchandise and things of that nature. But as far as like cannabis right now or edibles, you know, until further notice, we're kind of like staying away for now. Would you like to maybe long term have a dispensary or something like that, or you're not really interested? Of in course, of course, I want to yeah. have a dispensary, a consumption lounge. I want to have it all in the future, but in due time. Like I, know. I feel, like I said, the most as long as I keep the voice of the people and the culture going, I feel like all those things are fall into place in due time. Very cool. So uh, what has surprised you most in a positive way? I mean, we're talking so much like this is bad and this needs to change. Like, but in reality, we're also living in the best time ever in cannabis because it's never been this liberal, this advanced. So we're, you know, complain, but what, what surprised you in a positive way? And uh, as far as like in, in cannabis or Just in society, what do you mean? anything either like you know when you went to do something that you thought you were gonna butt up against and you got really good results or you know just people people who you've seen come and go where you've well, seen acceptance. well I, i'm gonna tell you exactly one thing i'm gonna tell you is that you know i'm a minority i'm a first generation dominican republic and you know you know you you, you have this stigma about like you assume certain people from certain backgrounds are going to be a certain way whether they're black black yellow blue whatever they are and I just feel like the cannabis industry has the best percentage of every race, every religion, and every person in society in it. Like, it's like, you know, it's been surprising to see people from all backgrounds, all nationality, all races, but 90%, I would say, that in cannabis are, you know, good people. Yeah. And I don't think you can say that about so many industries, you know? 
Yeah, well, I that then I think we come back to cannabis people, though. You know, when you have, you know, 50 lawyers in a room, they're usually not, I mean, I, I have a lot of cannabis lawyers who are friends, but I'm saying a, a lot of times there's a lot of people now who are just in it for money. So that gets Definitely. to be very frustrating because, you know, you have the, you're used to operating in a space with passionate people who care and love what they do. And one of the fortunate things of the green rush is you also now have a lot of people who don't give a shit. They've never smoked weed six months ago. They would have arrested you, uh, you know, or got you arrested. And now they're like, oh yeah, let's make some money off this. So yeah, but both, but you're right. The diversity in cannabis is great. I'd like to see more diversity at the top though. Um, oh yeah, that's a, that's definitely something that needs to change. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little white and male up there, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely a thousand percent. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, you know, I mean, that's why people like me and you, you know, voicing our opinion and growing our brands are, you know, part of that. You know, we're showing that you can still keep your morals, your principles, and your values, and still succeed in this industry. Can you? Because I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm getting real close to selling my soul some days. I'm getting tired. It's been long. I can't, I can't say the same, but I just, really? feel like, okay. I just feel like it's simple, right? I feel like the sell the soul road is shorter. I yeah. feel like the other road is longer, but I always, you know, this is a part of my life. I'm very passionate about it, and I'm in no rush. I'm yeah. playing a long game. I'm yeah. How long it takes, I'm on cruise control. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm here for the long game, 11 years in, but it's just starting to feel real long. You know, um, I, I, I definitely am to the point where I want to still work in cannabis, but I don't know, waiting for New York and New Jersey is just starting to seem like, all right, maybe I'll take a couple years of when you guys are good. Cause I, it's like, it's like waiting for a turtle. Yeah. It's like, wait, a turtle. It's not, what's wrong with snail? Maybe. I don't know. Something a snail, slower, slower, just like a little goo. Um, yeah, man. I mean, this year's burned this year. Nothing's happening now. No, like, yeah, like something. budget's done. We're going to election. If anything gets done, we're looking at 2020. It's March or April, and the year's burned. So it's uh, it's getting pretty crazy. But um, I don't know. So what uh, you last night you asked me to describe Happy Monkey in one word. So I have two questions for you. What okay. is the coolest word anyone's ever said to you where you were like, whoa, I didn't think of that. And then second, what's your word? Um, the one of the one of the greatest words anybody said was my friend Steve D'Angelo. Oh, love Steve from Harborside. Yeah, he said him freedom plosion. Oh, because he said it was like an explosion of freedom to see people, you know, sharing and a community like that and like that energy and that vibe, you know, being so high frequency in one place. Cool freedom plosion. I love that. Um, and then what's your word? My word is culture. Culture. Okay. Because I feel like, you know, that is what Happy Monkey embodies more than anything. The New York City tri-state area culture of cannabis. And I just feel like we just brought it together and shined the light on it. So for people who live in these like really repressed areas, you know, there's still a lot of states that are like, we're complaining, but there's states way worse off than us. Of course, yeah. And and they don't have an outlet. They don't have a a happy monkey. They don't have anything. How, how do they get started to get this kind of community that they lack, you know, is, 
are you, do you think anyone can go out there and create this where they are or we just have to wait for you to franchise out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, what I can say is, is that it's just like, you know, there are people that feel the same way. You just got to reach out and find them. Yeah. I think that, you know, right now with social media and, you know, different mediums like conferences and stuff, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yes. And if you really, really look for it and you really make it a thing where you want to get them all together, slowly but surely, it'll start with two, then four, then eight, then 12, you know, it'll build up, you know? Yeah. It's just like I said, it's just that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It's just something slow and steady, but... I'm sure everywhere in the country and everywhere in the world, there are people that want to get together and consume cannabis and share their thoughts and their opinions. It's just about getting together. And I feel like with social media, it's easier than ever to do that. It definitely is. I, uh, I, I just, I wonder places like, I don't know, like in Alabama or something where they're super conservative. It's probably, you know, what we were even, you know, 10, 20 years ago, people just huddled in basements and corners, you know, scared. And, but, um, so wait, you said you're Dominican, Vlad. Every like Vlad I've ever yes. known was Russian. What, yes. So um, let me tell you about the name. So I'm first generation Dominican, uh-huh. and the reason for the name is because my father was a revolutionary in the Dominican Republic. It was under dictatorship once upon a time, and he fled from over there because he was a revolutionary. So he he named me after Vladimir Lenin Ichnikov because you know he was a revolutionary and he looked wow. up to him. So he thought. Tara, that I was going to be a political revolutionary, but I'm a cannabis revolutionary. Cannabis and politics are completely interwoven at this point. You cannot have one without yeah. the other. I so that's, where the, that's where the name comes from. So revolution for this is literally in your blood. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Very then cool. the good thing you mentioned that about the stigma. So let me tell you another example of that. Let's go global now. My country, Dominican Republic, we, cannabis if you smoke cannabis, it's like if you smoke crack or use heroin. Wow. Your theme, that's how it's looked upon, the stigma's that strong over there. Yeah. So same thing, you know what I mean? Me and my partner are trying to work on different ways and maybe when this is all done, start going over there and educating people on it because that's the number one lack of everything in a lot of these places is information and education yeah. to, make, to help them catch up to speed, you know, because they just have these, these stigmas that that old school Nancy Reagan in their head, you know? For sure. And so one of my friends who works a lot in the, he works for minorities, medical marijuana, a lot in those communities. Oh, those are my, those are my people right there. Yeah, yeah. So Leo, you know uh, Leo. Yeah, I, I had him on the other day. And one thing he has said to me is you have two groups that are the toughest. And it's like that old white Republican who's just never going to change, reefer madness. Um, and then like, minorities in communities that have been ravaged by drugs because they've had family members, you know, die or go to jail and they just see drugs as this, you know, scourge and plague and they loop cannabis right in with that. So, yeah. So for them, it's like, no way that'll never be legal. You know, that ruined my family, my neighborhood. So he said, that's actually, so you, you think of minorities more as a, a lot of times this more liberal, group you know democratic that kind of thing but they're right up there with the the staunch republicans as being opposed. especially just like leo said the older people like the younger generation yeah, yeah, yeah. more open-minded but it's always like the older people like even in my community 
they have this this things that they put in their head from back then and you know yeah um and the church people he said are the of course, yeah. of course. so yeah i would imagine um dr is probably like that like uh very similar kind of mentality and uh one thing I, I was in mexico recently and i was like what do you guys think about like this coming over here and they were like no like cartels government that's never gonna happen like it's just never gonna be legal here and i was like ah that's really because as soon as you start to think of it globally there's so many different i'm really pissed that canada beat us but uh there's so many <laughs> <laughs> like that there's just no excuse for that but yeah and i imagine every different you know Latin country right over there, certainly all Europe, you know, Portugal, everything's legal, heroin's legal, you know, so it's just these little microclimates. I don't know if love will get on a global kind of same page. I believe that the day that it goes federally legal here, yeah. I don't know if it'll be an overnight thing, but it will start going mainstream in the rest of the world because in most of everything, we're the biggest consumers and the biggest importers of everything. So everybody's going to get on board when it's like, oh, it's mainstream on the mainland, the U.S. Slowly but surely, I believe once that happens, it'll start trending around the globe. Uh, I hope so. I would love to see that. And I mean, that's going to come down to travel. And, and I think it'd be great the way you travel around and you try different foods and different things like that. If you could try in different types of cannabis, like, oh, this is you know how they consume it in China or whatever. Like, that'd be amazing. But um, so you asked me and I told you I was going to ask you today. And I'm, I didn't pick an alternative question because I knew you'd answer it. So tell me about your first time getting high. Oh, first time getting high. So the first time I got high, I was actually, I think, like in junior high school. And I could school, play hooky at a friend's house. And some of my friends were a little older, a couple of years older, whatever. So they were already smoking. And then they was like, let me see. Let me, you know, I always knew about it. But I was like, let me try it. And man, I felt like I went to another universe. And <laughs> that's when that love story started. I remember it was like a, like a, bamboo or something and it was like regular swag weed but it got me higher than the cannabis cup winner of 2020 <laughs> that's funny yeah i guess when you're a kid and you don't know anything and it's just that first time never the same i told you my first time was yeah i i really i i don't have the right feedback to know if my first time what it was but uh that's awesome. So, and then was it just like a staple in your life from then on? You were like, no, no, no. At the beginning, no. At the beginning, I just dibbled and dabbled. Then maybe when I turned like 15, 16, I started smoking more regularly. And then it became a staple in my life. And when did you become like a connoisseur where you actually like knew like, all right, this is good. This is different strains. Like, cause well, I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to sound crazy to you. Like that didn't happen till a lot older because throughout my whole time growing up in New York city, there were only like two, three different options of cannabis. There weren't any other options. It was either like regular weed, hydro or haze. That was yeah. it. Yeah. There was no all these, uh, you know, Tarakos, Misu, this, and there was none of that. There better be a Misu strain soon. Someone go grow grow that. Um, Yeah, no, it'd be like, we have Sour Diesel and Kush. What do you want? Yeah, that's that's all it is. I'm telling you, that was even recently with all that stuff. It was just like, when I was young, it was just like regular weed, 
Arizona, which is like the good regular weed, and then it was Hazel Hydro. That was it. Yeah. Uh, people don't understand that it's a really recent thing here where like, you know, in California, they decriminalized in 1994. So they had a gray market. You got market. a 16-year head start on us. I don't want us to. Yeah. So they had a gray market where people started businesses in the 90s there, you know. So and we're just barely starting to get to the people who aren't like, oh, yeah, it's a gateway drug, like mentality of like, you know, just dare propaganda and like you said Reagan. <laughs> so i i will post this on social soon i did the dare program which is just a tremendous show of what a failure it was and there's a picture of me doing like the running man in eighth grade with a dare shirt that i found during quarantine so i'm gonna post it um that program what's interesting about it is people who went through it are more likely to do drugs because the ones who weren't weren't gonna anyway and the ones that were, now they had like pro tips. So it was one of the biggest failures of all time. Uh, hypocrisy of the democracy. Yes, exactly. Um, cool. So uh, what else are you doing in quarantine? I know you did your happy hour the other day. That was fun. You going to keep doing that every Saturday? Yeah, um, we're doing it maybe more than, we're going to maybe do it more than once a week. That was just the, the second episode. Actually, tomorrow our next episode is with uh, Carrie Cardi, CEO of 420 Media, and Marvin Washington, okay. which I think you know, ex-NFL Super Bowl champion. So, yeah, just like it's, I'm just making it like a thing. Like I'm just FaceTiming with all my friends all over the world, just checking in with them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Quarantine time, you know? Yes, I had Colin Jenkins on the podcast recently. A lot of the ex-NFL players with CTE, that's a big thing for them. Lawrence Taylor has his CBD company. Like, yeah, they're all coming together on that, which is very cool because I, I, I always say there's two people that consumers trust, and that's pets and celebrities. Because if you see a pet get better, it's like I, they can't lie. It's a testimonial that they're, they're, they're not trying to sell your product. And for some reason, if a celebrity says something works, they're like, oh, I trust that guy. I liked him. You know, me and you, we could lie. And, uh, and, um, and then uh, most importantly, I really love that they're using their platforms of all their following for something positive like this, you know, because it's like they're already like, you know, like you said, on top of celebrities, they're athletes and people that have traumatic experience. And for them to use their platforms to say how it's helped them and how it can help other people, I believe it's a really big boost for the industry in the right direction you know yeah and i i think also the um lists of banned substances getting it removed from them was big because with the opioid yes, epidemic yeah and to have former athletes be like no this is helping me and this shouldn't. so and you know and now that they don't have to risk their careers that it's, it's not quite the same so that's huge to have them because something where your normal you know lawyer advocate isn't going to have that same influence so Exactly. So it's amazing that they take time to take this journey with us and bring all that following and all that all those fans into our industry, basically. You know, yeah. It, it's all like I said. It's just like we're just chipping away, and all these things help you know chip away at the right direction. For sure. So what um, after quarantine? Do you think you'll reopen your doors? Or I mean, one thing like cannabis businesses aren't going to get probably you know, free rent or stimulus or any of that. They always with uh, things like no, that. No, I told you we're not, we don't, we already moved away from that. We're not really doing oh, that. Oh, 100%, you're done. 
Yeah, we're more focused on, like I told you, doing bigger events oh. and doing like, you know, after parties and doing concerts. And gotcha, doing gotcha. Things. So there's a difference between more focused and done. So 100% over. Okay. Okay, that's good. Well, then I'm really excited to see what's next. If that's all there is, you got to get on that concert series. Exactly. Like, yeah, like I said, evolution, you know? Evolve yeah. or die. We always got to evolve and keep on, you know, put, raising the bar higher and breaking those glass ceilings. Oh, I know all about glass ceilings. That's for sure. Yeah. There you go. But um, all right. So let's wrap this up. Let's see. Was there anything else I wanted to touch on? I, I, I think we, uh, we pretty much covered it. Is there anything you want to tell people that you have coming up or to look out for or get out and do? Uh, I don't know if you guys are going to a vote. I always try to get people to vote for legal is new york going this year you think no they took the the bill out of the budget no it's out of the budget but for a vote in the fall do you think they're gonna oh, oh I, I don't really see it to be honest with you no i think i always that. gotta you know keep up alive and i'm gonna vote and everything but i don't see it being a priority right now no it's not at all uh that's a in new jersey delivery I, I talked about this with you that's not a priority and that's a real shame so, so sometimes you got to keep poking people because they won't make cannabis a priority unless we make them make it. Not that right, it should right. be. Yeah. Not that it should be over Corona and keeping people safe and alive, but eventually you got to realize it's medicine for people and it, it can't be pushed under the rug forever. No, but, no, no. Um, I'd be like, I feel like it's inevitable. It's yeah. coming sooner or later, but you so, asked what we have coming up. Yep, what yep. we have coming up and what we have going on now is all for 2020, 2020 all month long. If you go to happymonkey.com, you can check out everything we have going on there from merchandise to podcasts to this month. We have been dropping a different piece of content every day, unreleased. So we've got a bunch of amazing interviews, a bunch of new segments we've created on our YouTube and WeTube. So this month, you know, look out for happymonkey.com, Happy Monkey TV on YouTube, Happy Monkey on WeTube, because we have a lot to keep you guys entertained during this quarantine. Let's keep, try to keep everybody positive under these horrible times. Awesome. All right, Vlad, thank you so much. I'm just going to bring us out right here. I, I loved having you on. Come back anytime when you got that new stuff to promote, and, and hopefully we could do it face-to-face -face at some point. Thank you for having me, Tara. It's an honor and a pleasure to uh, be with the Blazing Queen. Ah, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor to be with Mr. Happy Monkey. <laughs> All right, Vlad, have a good rest of your night. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trailblazing with Tara Masu. Trailblazers, if you could take one moment and go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and leave a review, it really helps other cannabis supporters find us and it would mean the world to me. We have new episodes every week, so make sure you're subscribed so you're always getting the latest Trailblazing content. I would love to connect and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Blazin Bakery. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N Bakery. Check out BlazinBakery.com for awesome cannabis products, including our new CBD pet line, Blazin Barkery, a company I founded with my dog, Diablo. As always, my name is Tara Masu. Love you all and keep on trailblazing. <laughs>